That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and I am honored to welcome to the show today the Chief Bodyweight Instructor for Strong First, Coach Karen Smith. Now, this episode is pretty meaningful to me because Karen is such a role model for women everywhere to experience the benefits of lifting heavy, and she's an incredible leader in the kettlebell community. Through the Strong First Bodyweight Certification and Workshops, Karen teaches the principles of successful bodyweight training. So that means that students learn how to master the pull-up, the push-up, pistol squats, which are extremely difficult, and strict hanging leg raises. So with this knowledge, you can take your workouts virtually anywhere. You don't need to be dependent upon a gym or what type of workout equipment that you have. You can just take your own body weight and go. So you learn how to progress and regress and still have incredible results. And during this interview, we talked about how kettlebell training completely altered Karen's workout routine and got her into better results on a shorter timeline compared to traditional cardio. We talk about the principles of body weight training, the culture of strong first, how she mastered the Iron Maiden challenge, how she used the power of visualization and mindset to accomplish that task and how she coaches that to all her other students. We go over her online training programs, the ebook that's coming out this week, which you can find links to in the show notes, along with links to her website at coachkarensmith.com. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this episode with Coach Karen Smith. So Karen, for the listeners, could you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am currently a master instructor with Strong First, and uh, I'm in charge of the bodyweight division, so I'm the chief instructor there. But I've been personal training for, you know, just shy of 20 years. It's kind of always been my passion to be in fitness and help other people. So that that's pretty much my gig outside of being a mom. And uh, so I travel around and I teach workshops, certifications. Um, I do a lot of distance coaching and program design right now. I'd say that's kind of my main thing. I'm not in a you know, a gym day to day, like I used to be, mm-hmm. um, just because of my travel schedule. So that, that's kind of really my, where I'm at now. And you're also the fourth woman to become an iron maiden. How was that challenge for you? What was the feeling like when you first accomplished that? Wow. Um, you know what? It was, it was pretty amazing. It was something that I had obviously not seen very many people do. You know, there were a lot of guys that were doing the beast tamer challenge and, um, you know, we had heard about this first woman who had ever done the Iron Maiden, but still to this day, like no one's ever told me like who she is. I don't know where she went. So I'd love oh, for her really? to like, you know, show up at some point and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm the, the first lady, but yeah, it was still exciting. And I think because, you know, really we hadn't seen anyone do it. Several of my friends and I, we all started kind of training for it at the same time. And we're more of just, um, not in a race to see who could get there first, but just mm-hmm. to kind of motivate each other and see if we could help each other get there because it was kind of like this, this thing that we knew was out there, but it, it just seemed so far from, you know, being attainable at the time, but it was, it was a good goal and it, it took us quite a while to get there. Um, and then, you know, a couple other people got it just before I did, I would say within like a year to six months before I did. And then it just seems to have taken off since then. Really, I would say in the last couple years, it's, um, we've seen a huge jump and I, I program for a lot of people who are going for that goal. And, uh, but yeah, we, we've made some strides and we're kind of, you know, catching up a little bit with the guys, but, uh, it's, it's, we still have a little ways to go, but it's, it's kind of a neat, neat challenge to have out there and have people to, um, you know, get excited about attaining it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it shifts the paradigm for women to, go and do strength training without being concerned about, uh, without getting too bulky or anything. And I mean, I I feel that you're pioneering this for women all over the world. It's such an incredible feat to have accomplished and yeah, it's awesome. Have you always been a badass or was this refined over time? Oh, (laughs) um, thanks. Um, I don't know if I, I consider myself a badass, but that, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I've always been, like I said, I've always been into fitness, Um, but I was like so many, like early on, like in the, in my younger years, like I really was so scared of that, that myth that we're all breaking through of like being Mm -hmm. bulky. I mean, I was like, oh, I just need to spend hours and hours doing cardio. And it wasn't until I, you know, kind of crossed over after I had my daughter and met someone who was in the kettlebell world that just really kind of changed my whole thinking about, about training and kind of 
broke that myth for me. And so since then, I've just wanted to really share with women that like, you know, we shouldn't be fearing that. Um, you know, it's, there's so much we can do and, and getting bulky is really not, um, really what's going to happen with lifting heavy. And I'm not saying not for anyone. I mean, there's some people that will, but there's so much that, you know, so many other factors that go into that. So I just want women to know that we can get the bodies we want by lifting heavy and not, you know, being that hamster on the treadmill thinking we have to do hours and hours of conditioning to, uh, you know, get, get lean and not bulk up. Okay. Now, was there an aha moment for you, uh, when you got, when you first got exposed to strength training? Um, I, that's where I would say it, it really fell into the kettlebell side. So I've always okay. done a little bit of, um, lifting, but because of the fear of being bulky, I never went really heavy until I got into the kettlebell world. And the gentleman that, um, I first trained with was telling me, you know, like I see you in here all the time. And this, you would hear this on really any of my, any of the podcasts I've done is that mm-hmm. I was, I was living in the gym, just going through the motions, even as a trainer, but I wasn't ever lifting heavy because I had that fear. And he's like, you need to see me three times a week and that's it. And I had hired him to train me because I was just in that rut of like, you know, a lot of trainers, we get into this mode of like, we're so busy helping everyone else that we kind of put our own training aside sometimes and and not everyone, but we kind of all go through that if we get really busy as coaches. And so I just wanted someone to tell me what to do for a little while. You know, I had my daughter, I had, um, I was married and my husband at the time was in military. So we left beautiful, sunny San Diego and they moved us to DC and it was cold and snowing and something I'd never been in. And so I was just like, I spent all my time in the gym. And so this guy's like, okay, seriously, like you need to have a life. (laughs) You need to like, just see me three times a week. And I was so scared that if I didn't have all that time on the treadmill, that I was just going to put on all this weight and the exact opposite happened. I mean, I ended up dropping three and a half inches off my waist and 5% of my body fat in five weeks because of the kettlebell and, and decreasing my training time from 14 hours a week to three. So I've kind of always stuck with that ever since. So what did that feel like for you? What was going on inside your head when you figured out, like you cut your training frequency, your volume down and just devoted to strength training? Um, you know what? I was like, wow, <laughs> I have wasted a lot of hours, <laughs> a lot of hours in the gym doing things that just weren't necessary. I mean, and so now I like to look at it as, you know, um, find something that you enjoy and that you can enjoy doing for the, for your whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's the strength journey, but you also have to enjoy other things. Um, and not wasting all that time in the gym when you could be doing something else, because it, if you're training efficient and training smart, and lifting weights, like you can get results so much faster than just spending hours and hours of trying to, you know, condition your body into something else. So was it that you were able to see progress on a smaller uh, amount of training volume that kind of drew you into kettlebells or what was it? Was it that they were, they were challenging? What was it for you that kind of drew you in? Um, you know what? I, in the beginning, I think it was probably how quickly I got results. So I was like, what woman wouldn't want this, right? Because we've been fed these lies for so long. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I have to share this. Like, it was like, I kind of joke, like, um, I went to the certification, um, more out of fun. I was like, okay, I've had a baby. Like I've had never left her anywhere. Like Mm -hmm. I was just being a mom and, and hadn't coached and was just kind of doing my own thing as a mom. And so it was my first trip away from her. And I joke like that I went there and being at the certification and being around like-minded people, it was like the heavens opened. I was like, I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so from that point on, it wasn't just about, oh, great, they're efficient. You know, I wanted to share that, but I also was just around these people that were like-minded and it was like I have, and and now I just call them my, my strength family or my fitness family, you know, and I love that I have friends and family all over the world, um, that we all kind of can come together and, and we have the same kind of philosophies and, and just share that, that passion for fitness and for, you know, motivating and mentoring other people. Was there anything challenging at first when you were starting out coaching with, uh, kettlebells? Um, yeah, you know what there always is. One is there's technique to it that I think, um, a lot of people still to this day don't realize, you know, there's a lot of coaches that are, you know, people will just look stuff up on YouTube and there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
when you dial in the technique, which is what we really try to focus on in our certifications and think of the quality of the movement versus the quantity of the movement, I would say that's, that was one struggle. Um, and the other one is just still the, the fear of getting bulky. Like, you know, for so long people feel like kettlebells are scary, right? Like people will see me training barefoot and they're like, Oh my gosh, what if you drop that on your foot? (laughs) Well, one, I've never dropped a bell on my foot, but I do tell them, like, it doesn't matter if I had shoes or no shoes. If I drop that heavy thing on my foot, it's going to suck no matter what, right? I'm probably going to break a toe um, at the very least, um, break my foot, whatever. But when you're focused on the quality of movement, it's not, it's not a scary thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, that's what I try to get across to people is that um, there's so much you can can do in such a short amount of time. If you work on the quality first, like build that solid foundation and then you can like kind of expand, um, your skill level from there. If you start with building that solid base. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because I feel that the way that social media is and the way that the industry has been kind of going, it's like go hard or go home. And everybody's trying to do these crazy high intensity workouts. They don't focus on quality. And then you see tons of uh, injuries that start to occur because of this, this mindset. Uh, right. I absolutely agree with that. And, and the go, the go harder, go home. I think there's a time and a place for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people, um, you know, originally that mentality, I think was, uh, I saw a lot of that through the military, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are like, you know, especially in the SEAL teams, um, which is where my ex was at. It's like, you know, they even had those shirts. It's like the only easy day was yesterday. And the <laughs> saying of, you know, pain is, is weakness leaving the body. And, and I get that to a certain degree, but for those people, it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, they have to be able to train to a certain level and still go do a mission at a moment's notice. So for them, it's like, it's a mental thing. I don't think pain is weakness leaving the body in the mindset that in the gym, people want to work through pain. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think in the gym, you have to think about listening to your body and understanding that there are, there are different things. And in, if your body is speaking to you in a way that's, Hey, something is off. This pain is, it could lead to injury. Then you should stop. If your body is speaking to you and it's just telling you to stop because of a, just a lazy factor or like, you know, my example of today, like it's rainy, it's gloomy. I didn't really want to go out in the garage because it was cold. So I kind of had that motivation, um, lacking today, but Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Don't listen to that. Right. Like I needed to go ahead and push through, but if my body was aching because of other reasons, you know, whatever, then those are the things we have to listen to. So that go harder, go home, you know, work through the pain, I don't always think that's a good idea. I think that's where you have to kind of take a step back, listen to your body and really focus on quality. And sometimes your body needs extra rest. So it can't be go hard, you know, every day. And I think that's the, the, probably the things that I've learned the most through my years. Um, once I got into the kettlebell world is that our philosophies are different, um, than just pushing hard all the time, because you're right. Like you mentioned, that's, that's where injuries are going to come from. And, um, you just, sometimes you just have to be patient and think about your, your training a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And you were coaching before you got exposed to kettlebells. How did your clients receive uh, this new coaching, this new belief system when you kind of got into the world of kettlebell training? Well, for me, it was a little bit different because I had been a personal trainer okay. and um, I worked in, a, in, in California training just one-on-one sessions. And then I had some time off. I had my daughter and I was a stay-at-home mom for a little while. So by the time I got into kettlebells, the military had already moved us from San Diego to DC. So the people that I came in contact, it was, it was totally different people. So how it would have been, um, received from the people that I was training before, that's a good question. I, I don't know exactly how they would have taken my complete mind shift and, and focus, you know, the way that I train now versus then. Um, it, I, I wish I knew cause I, <laughs> I know that it would have been so much more efficient. They would have had way more time to spend just enjoying life than having to be in the gym with me every day. Was there a di- different atmosphere when you moved to DC compared to California? Oh, very much so. Um, obviously in California, the area that I was in, in California one, um, everyone's pretty, um, much into fitness or at least where I was at, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's beautiful. You're outdoors. Like, um, that's kind of what pushed me and really got me into training because it's, 
it was just such a different world out there. I loved it. And I, I would be back there in a heartbeat if possible. Um, but the area that I lived in was really, um, high scale, high, if that's even, doesn't even sound right. High scale. Affluent, yes. Um, a lot of the people affluent. Yes. The people in that area were a lot of them just wanted to have a trainer because that's what you do, right? That's everybody else had a trainer. So mm -hmm. you should have a trainer. Um, so it, some of them were there because they actually had the goals of being fit. And some of them just had the goal of having a trainer because they felt that was what they were supposed to do. So it's, it's definitely a different mentality of the people that I work with now, um, than when I, you know, what I worked with then. So are they more driven by what you're trying to do? Cause I've, I mean, I've been exposed to clients like that who they have a trainer just to have, just for the sake of having a trainer. But what, what is it like for you who, I, I mean, clearly you're somebody who is very caring about their clients and their progress and what they're doing. What was that like for you working with a client base like that, that was just, you know, maybe wanted a trainer just to have a trainer? Um, well, back then I didn't really know the difference. I was just like, this is just how it is, right? You okay. have, you're going to have the people that, that have goals and, and want to pursue them. And then, but my, my clientele and, uh, is totally different now. Like the people that I train now are in most cases because of, um, teaching certifications and workshops all over the world are other instructors or people that are aspiring to be instructors. So now it's, you know, they're driven just like I am. So I don't have to sit there and nag anyone and it, most of the time, right? They're, they're, they're very self-motivated. Um, so that's where my training has, has turned into more program design and mentoring and coaching others to do their job or run their business versus just getting people in shape or getting people strong. So the, the goal of, and that's why I say my clientele is different. They're more students now. Like I'm mentoring them and, and coaching them to do, um, better for their students versus just, Hey, I want to lose weight. Hey, I want to, you put me through a workout of the day. I love so that. that's where it's a little bit different now. That's great. Yeah. I love that you said that they're students. That's a, uh... That's very powerful, and then you're able to positively influence so many other people's lives. How did this progression happen to, now that you're the chief strong first, sorry for me butchering this, the, the head for the bodyweight certification for strong first, how did this progress for you? Like I mentioned, once I went to the certification, it was like the, the heavens opened, right? Like I yeah. knew where I was supposed to be. I felt like I was at home. So at that point, that was back in 2008, I think, mm -hmm. like... I wanted to go to anything and everything that I saw pop up, um, workshop wise that Pablo was teaching or anyone else that I had met through at the time, which was the RKC and now strong first. Like I wanted to go to, it, it didn't matter what state it was in. Like I wanted to be there. I wanted to just keep absorbing all this information, um, because I knew how, how important it was and how much it had changed my training and how it could help other people. So I just really started trying to go to everything that I could and then bring that passion back to my gym because I had a gym in Virginia Beach mm -hmm. after I left D.C., the military moved us to, um, to Virginia. And um, then my students started loving it and they started going with me to workshops. So I think from that point and the fact that, you know, Pavel would come to Virginia and I would help him with some military events, that that's kind of where all of that started, like the passion of bringing other people through and getting other people certified, even if they were just getting certified because they loved it, not necessarily because they wanted to coach, um, that started getting my name out there. Mm -hmm. And from that point, it just grew from there. Like, you know, he would, um, I got promoted to be a team leader and then I started teaching and traveling. And so then it just kept going. Um, when the body weight, um, certification was being developed, I, I'm, I'm guessing like uh, you would have to actually have to ask Pavel cause I don't know, but, um, I'm guessing because of my background and knowing that I had, um, the skills to do the body weight, you know, he contacted me and asked if I wanted to be one of the instructors to teach that. And so I, I started pursuing all of our body weight strength skills, um, got certified at his, um, first certification. And then from there at the time, um, when we switched over, from um, the RKC to Strong First, there were a lot of people that were um, available to teach the, the kettlebell stuff. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll just jump over and really start pushing our body weight division and get out there and promote that. And then I'm guessing that's kind of where it took off from there and why my name was thrown in to be um, possibly be in charge of the body weight division. So I'm still just trying to grow what we do 
and um, get it in front of as many people as possible. You know, it's still a, a process to get it to where it's the level of, you know, being known like our kettlebell certs and courses, mm-hmm. but um, it is growing. And most of the people that come through it just love um, what we're teaching there and the principles of strength and more often than not, what I hear is, man, I should have done this sooner while this is really going to take my training to the next level, because we're teaching people to master their body and take, be able to take their muscles under control and pursue skills that are just going to have great carryover. And the great thing is, is they can be done anywhere, right? You don't have to have equipment. You just have to have your body. So you can be at a park, you can be in a hotel, you can be in your house. You can be like me on the go. I'm traveling 25, 30 weekends a year. And I've kind of been on that path for the last four and a half years. So it's like, I need to be able to train anywhere, anytime and not have to worry about, do I have all the right size kettlebells or do I have my barbells or whatever? I can just um, work out on the go. Could you tell me for the people who don't know, what are some of the principles that you teach for the body weight certification? The main principles that we're teaching are being able to um, use feed forward tension. So that's one thing. Feed forward tension is mastering. uh, I mean, basically taking your muscles under control, maximally contracting them without that extra load. Um, We also teach, um, irradiation, which mm-hmm. is basically squeezing energy and from other muscle groups, um, which to dive deep into that, I don't want to go into too much of that because that's more of like what we should be, you know, covering in the courses and certs. So yeah. th- that's two of them. But the main thing is, is that we use tension, full body tension to elevate our strength in a lot of different skills. So for example, a one arm push up, or for the gentleman, it's a one arm, one leg, Um, We also do that when we're doing pull-ups. So we like to think of hollow body tactical pull-ups with full body tension versus what you see in other schools um, where they're kipping or, you know, using a little bit more momentum. We want full strength. And then from there, what we teach is waving the load. So how we talked early on when we first got on the call about that go hard or go home, mm-hmm. um, we don't do that all the time. So we want light days, medium days, heavy days, and we wave the load in our training so that we can get more out of our training. You don't need as much recovery time. You can train every day if you need to, because we're training on a level that is not all out. So it's, it's finding that percentage of, you know, like some days might be at a 50%. That would be our grease the groove days, um, where you're getting more quality work because you're not going to failure. You're not going to fatigue. It's just perfect reps in a, in a smaller volume. And then other days we're going to go, you know, really heavy closer to our max, but we don't max out all that often. So with body weight, how do you wave the load? Well, with most of the skills, we have progressions. So okay. for example, if I have someone who's training to do a one-arm push-up, um, they're not going to be doing that on the ground that often because that's still a one rep max, if it's even a one rep max yet, right? It's mm-hmm. so far like from the reach. So we use elevations. And one of the easiest ways to kind of visualize this is, um, well, I use a lot of boxes and different levels there, but you could use a rig and Think about all of the notches in a rig where you could put a barbell yep. and, and you just work your way down. So you're having these progressions where once you hit a certain level and you know you can get really perfect technique, maybe five by five, um, then you can go to the next level. So it gives you all of these elevations to change your volume um, from day to day. And if, if you didn't have a rig, I would say, let's say you're training at home, you're going to have the wall, you're going to have your island, <laughs> you're going to have um, a coffee table and you're gonna have the floor. So that kind of gives you a way to, to be like, okay, what's my workout for today? And what's the rep and set scheme at that level so that I cannot go to failure and get the most out of it. Uh, can I tell you a quick story? One of the trainers at my gym, she's trying to progress to um, a full pull-up, right? Like pronated grip, wide, normal pull-up. And, uh, she was struggling for the longest time to get like any higher than five repetitions. And so I had sent her your pull-up program and she is just killing it now. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. So that's uh, I think that's a huge one for, especially for women in general, this is that the ability to master their body weight and to do um, a pull-up for like the first time in their lives is it's pretty empowering. 
Absolutely. You know what? I was just teaching a workshop a couple weeks ago in New Hampshire and I was showing, um, the people like how to spot someone that's trying to get their pull up. Um, because you know, you go to the gym and you see people putting their hands up underneath people's legs Mm -hmm. and they're like, come on, you got this. Well, they're using their legs at that point, right? They're not really utilizing the muscles that they should be with their partner. So we teach something that's called acing the movement, which is artificially controlling the environment. And you only help the person at their sticking point. Yeah. So I got this, you know, of course I ask around the room, like who's fairly close, um, but has never had a pull up. And this lady, you know, she steps up. And so I show where to place my hands on her back and kind of guide her through the movement. And she didn't even need my help. So for her, it was like a mental thing. Yeah. But I asked her, I told her, I said, you know, like I, I barely touched you. Let's try this again. Well, of course I was having her do a chin up first because mm-hmm. she had never done a pull up. And so most women will get that sooner. So I still touched my fingers on her back just to give her that feedback of like, okay, this is where I'm going to help you. And I wasn't really going to help her because I knew she had it. Yeah. And I pulled my hands away and she got her first chin up and you should have seen the look on her face. And that's, that's something that I just love, like getting people out of that mental space of thinking that they can't do something. I think that limits people a lot. And so I teach a lot about mindset and, and visualization of, I can do this skill and let's visualize it in our mind over and over again to perfection so that when you actually get up there and do it, like it's, it just makes more sense. But for some people, just that little bit of a touch right in the laps, like right on their mid back and like pushing them through their sticking point is going to help them fast track to a pull up or other skill. But that's just one example. And, and seeing that excitement when they get that first rep, like it's, and then they're just addicted to it. And that's kind of how I was too. I got my first one by accident. And then all I want to do was live on the pull-up bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. So then what are some of the, uh, the roadblocks that you see people facing day to day with their body weight training or even kettlebell work? Um, I would say most time the, the two that I've mentioned, one overtraining, pushing too hard too often. Okay. And it's not so much that they're overtrained it's that they're under recovered. They're not allowing their body enough time to recover and repair itself before they go hard the next day. Mm -hmm. So that would be one. Um, and then the other one, like I mentioned is mindset. Like Mm -hmm. we're so, we've been told for so long that we can't do things or we might not be good at things or, um, so that plays a mental, that that's a mental block. And I think a lot of times if I can get people past that mental block and start looking at things differently and more of a positive, positive mindset, it will fast track their training. Absolutely. Cause I mean, that's the power of coaching and effective coaching because you can take that person, you, you see where their potential is and then you can take them to that spot that they didn't believe that was even possible for them. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's normally, you know, having that, um, that confidence in them when they don't have it in themselves, I think is one thing that's really important for a coach because when you can help your student um, believe in themselves and until they believe in themselves, let them know that you believe in them. I think that that's huge. You're a tremendous role model for women. And then I, I read that your goal is to empower them to reach their true potential. Where did that all kind of like stem from? Um, you know what? I think it was after getting the Iron Maiden um, and seeing like how that made me feel. I wanted, I wanted other people to feel that way. I wanted people to realize that what that feeling is when you work really hard for something. And so I want to empower them to believe in themselves and, and achieve these things that right now they think are, are not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing and kind of led me in that direction. And then getting promoted and, and seeing that Pavel had faith in me to be um, one of very few females um, in our leadership at the time and then advancing through that. Um, it just kind of really helped with my own confidence and seeing like I can achieve these things and I know that other women can too. And so I wanted to help as many women reach whatever that next level is, you know, whatever their goal is, I wanted to help them get past their roadblocks, whether it be mental, physical, um, and show them that there's so much we can do when we focus on strength and quit focusing on what does the scale say? Because the scale can, it, really kind of affect you from day to day. And I'm not going to lie and say that I don't ever get stuck in that rut sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I do just like anyone else, but I, I know how to get myself out of that rut fairly quickly, um, because of my mindset practice. And, um, that's something that I'm working through right now because I had to go through a surgery. And so my strength journey has kind of started over 
And I'm just reminding myself, like, do coach yourself the, the same way that you coach your students. You know, you coached yourself here before you've coached many a people, a lo- many students along the way. And, and just remind yourself that you, you're the student right now and you're back on that journey and, and you can get there. So it's, there's so much to mindset and, and just getting people to believe in that next step, setting that goal and like, you know, kind of designing that plan to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Karen, just to touch on mindset a little bit, what are some of the tools or resources that you've used to help, to help get into people's mindset and to help get them to their potential? Um, I would say after, um, and I don't even remember honestly who recommended it. It was so far back, but like when I was kind of hitting a, a roadblock with the Iron Maiden training, um, for that challenge, someone had said, have you ever thought about working mindset and, and really visualizing the process. Um, and I, that's where I've kind of really dove into that more and just tried different things and started coaching more and more people on it. So, um, I just recently wrote an article for strong first that'll be coming out that's on visualization and there's so many aspects to it, but one of them is getting into a space. And I guess some people would consider it more of like a meditation. I'm not really getting into meditation, but getting into a quiet space where you can clear your mind of whatever else is, is out there, like on that to-do list and going on. So first, it normally would start with breathing, closing your eyes and, and breathing and focusing just on the breath. Focus. And then from there, when your mind isn't like trying to run off in all these directions, then focus on whatever that next step is, whether it's an exercise, whether it's a challenge, whether it's just getting into a positive space, is seeing something and seeing the steps for it. So for like the Iron Maiden, it was, okay, and now I'm doing a visualization for a specific skill and an event. And so I needed to see that the part that I was struggling on was the pull-up. And so I started seeing myself successfully get over the bar with that weight so that I could see it, see it, see it until it actually came to fruition. But as long as we're telling ourselves we can't do something or we can't physically see it in our brain, I feel like it's that roadblock. So we have to get to a positive space with that and see it successful so that we can actually make it happen. Do you program this power visualization into your client's workouts? It depends on what they come to, you know, what their goal is when they come to me. Um, but like I mentioned, a lot of people there that come to me nowadays, it's for specific goals like this, like, Hey, I want to get my first pull up or I want this challenge or I want my, you know, I want a new, uh, a heavy deadlift. So in that case, if they're private students that I'm distance coaching or, or even coaching in person, then I do talk to them a lot about this. And I try to get them to add that practice in so that they can get over those roadblocks. So how many of them actually sit and do it? I, that would be a good question, but I do coach it. <laughs> I do talk about it with them all the time. Even at the certifications, I tell them I'm, this may seem a little woo woo and like crazy to some people, but, um, I truly believe in it. And, um, even my mom sometimes like, <laughs> she's like, I'm trying to do this positivity thing that you keep trying to teach me. So it's, I'm, I'm hoping it's rubbing off on people because I think, I think it's huge. I mean, there's some, there's a lot of people who do these types of, I think they're called affirmations where, you know, they visualize or they write down and they see themselves in that state that, that they're not currently in. And just, there's something weird that works. I mean, I've tried it plenty of times myself and you see like all of a sudden there's a change in either it's a change in your mindset or your body just starts, your brain starts to recognize habits or things that it didn't before, because now you're making them more uh, prevalent in your view. They're, they're right there. And now you're like, okay, well you start to see the steps that maybe you didn't see before. And, and I don't think people realize like how powerful that is. It doesn't sound like foo-foo to me. It sounds, you know, legitimate by all means. Yeah. I mean, until you practice it, it, it seems a little weird, but to now, now it's just, it's just habit. It's like, okay, I want X, Y, and Z. So let's see that. Let me see it from a day to day and, and, just do that practice. I mean, it just seems like part of my, part of my day. It may not, maybe not every day, but it is something that I, that I do regularly. Now you have, are you, do you have your own facility? You're in uh, Dallas now, right? I am in Dallas. I don't have a facility any longer. I have, uh, when I closed my gym in Virginia, when I was getting ready to move here, Mm -hmm. it's, um, I just wasn't ready to take on another gym because of the, the amount of time that I'm gone. I mean, 25, 30 weekends a year, um, and mostly weekends, you know, 
versus in the middle of the week, I kind of make my, some of my middle of the week beat like my weekend because I, my weekends are working. Um, so I just closed down and I kept the equipment that I needed to build out my garage. So sometimes people come and train in the garage. Um, but a majority of what I do is, um, online now. So either Skype, FaceTime programming and, and sending that out to people, um, it is more of my gig right now. So what brought you over to Dallas? Well, um, I'm actually from Texas. I grew up in Texas. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I grew up in, I was born in Houston and, um, the only reason I was living in all the different places this is because I was married and he was military. Mm-hmm. So we lived in San Diego, DC, Virginia beach. And after my divorce, um, we agreed that we would move back to Texas, um, because we both wanted to be you know, involved in our daughter's life. So we couldn't really do that if I went back to San Diego and he stayed in either Virginia or DC. So we went for plan B, which is Texas, which is where we met. So that's what brought us back here. And are you, you're doing different courses out there too? I am. I'm trying to bring more and more, um, to Dallas or Texas in general. So like this next weekend, I have one um, here in Dallas and then the weekend, the following weekend, I have one in Austin. So I'm trying to grow, things in Texas, but I'm not only in Texas. I'm, I'm really all over the place, but it's, it's just a market that I feel is, hasn't fully been tapped into yet. Um, it seems like some of the newer things and not that kettlebells are new by any means, but mm. it seems like they start on the coast and it kind of takes a little while to really get them, um, to the level that I would want them to be here. Um, so it's, so yeah, it's just taken a little bit of time to kind of get the word out on what it is that we're doing and, and start to fill up some courses here. You'd think that everybody in Texas would be all about kettlebells and what Strong First represents since everybody's so like farm boy strength out there. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, it's, it's definitely known, but I would just say it's just not, maybe it's just such a bigger place. Maybe it, that's why it seems like it's not as known. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm working at it. <laughs> no, it's great. So back over to the body weight certification. I don't know if I asked this or not, but what are the main movements that you're trying to teach? Um, at the certification, we are teaching uh, the push-up, so one arm, and then the gentlemen have to do the one arm, one leg. So that's our strength skill that they have to test. Um, we also teach single leg squats, pull-ups, um, hanging leg raises, which is also another strict movement. So some people know that as toes to bar, but it's like fast and ballistic, like they would possibly do a kipping pull-up. Yeah. Um, where ours is really strict. So hanging leg raises. And then we also focus on headstands, handstands, handstand push-ups. We cover a little bit in the direction of front levers, but that skill is such a high level that the percentage of people that are actually working in that direction, mm-hmm. um, it's not one of our skills that we're like that we really dive into. We kind of touch on it um, because there will be some people that are that are working to that level, um, or like dragon flags, things like that. But the main focus is push-up, pull-up single leg squat, hanging leg raise, and then the handstand push-up or the progressions leading up to that. How many people that attend the certifications are general population and or personal trainers? Because when I did the Strong First, uh, when I did SFG Level 1 back in March, it seemed like there were a few people who were like general population. Do you see that often? I do. I see that a lot. Um, The great thing with the body weight and what we're trying to really kind of get the word out is it's not a certification that you have to come in that weekend and do your test and pass. Um, we give you six months to come in, take everything that you learn, go back, program it because we teach you programming as well mm-hmm. and get your strength to that level. And then you submit a video. So I want people to know that anyone, any level can come in and take this, this course or cert. I mean, I even have ladies that, um, I've been working with for a, a beta program that I'm getting ready to launch and they ha- did not even have their eyes or their, their sights on a one-arm push-up. It was never even something they were focused on. They just wanted to get better at push-ups in general or being able to do them on the floor. And I had them start working at the wall, doing one-arm push-ups um, just against a wall, which seems to some people that's so easy. Like, why would you do that? But one of the ladies I was super impressed with, she followed the program three times a week, started at the wall. Six weeks later, she was about maybe 10, 15 inches off the floor on wow. a box. Fast tracked, and she was 62 years old. No way. So for people, 
Yeah. So people think that this is either out of their reach or so far advanced that it's not something that they could come to. But the way that we do it and the progressions, it really makes it where it's for anyone. I think anyone and everyone should be able to come and and get something out of that course and certification and be able to fast track and have this carry over into their other skills. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, and it's huge too, because I myself find that, you know, let's say if we're out and about, and especially people's busy schedules, it's hard for them to get into the gym, but to equip them with the knowledge of progressions and regressions and variable loads and intensities, doing body weight is something that is helpful for anybody of like people of all ages. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm trying to get out there to all different markets. Like right now, um, I just met with a gentleman yesterday who used to be a, um, cheer coach for my daughter. And there's so much that we do that I think would help athletes, all athletes, not just, um, cheerleaders, right? Cause a lot of people, I don't know that they think of them as athletes, but these girls and guys are impressive when they're at the competitive level. So I'm trying to kind of get an idea, like get them to understand the idea of, of what we're doing with body weight as well as, you know, other athletes. I mean, it's, but also just everyday people, like it, there's so much that you can take away from like understanding your own body and knowing how to tense it and relax it and, and put these skills into play. Like it just, there's so much carryover. I, I could talk about it all day long because it's just, I think there's just so much people can take a, take away from it. Yeah. And so I mean, you can talk about it all day long, but you also have an ebook coming out pretty soon. Can you talk a little bit about that? I do. Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm hoping my fingers are crossed. We're in, I'm hoping the last draft, um, I've added to it. It started out just, um, as a program for myself and, um, I needed after a surgery to be able to get all my level one, all my level two and my body weight skills back because that's what I had to teach. And I try to pride myself in the fact that I'm not just out there coaching something that I can't do myself. Um, so that was the hard part for me is like, okay, I obviously have to take some time off. I'm going to lose some of this strength that I've worked so hard for, but I designed this, um, program for myself. And then I had a beta group, um, start it with me more so because I thought having the beta group would give me basically like these virtual training partners to kind of keep me motivated while I was coaching them because I was basically starting over after nothing more than 10 pounds for six weeks. So it was, it was a new journey. Well, what that turned into is seeing how much these people were enjoying it, how much they were enjoying the community effect of like this group, um, that I decided to kind of push more, like push forward with it and be like, okay, this needs to be my first ebook. Um, it has more skills in it than I would normally put into a program because there were so many I needed to get back. But what I've done and developed over the last year is now there's different levels. So this ebook really can be for anyone. So like level one is for enthusiasts that are just wanting to learn kettlebells. So there's demonstration videos, there's instructional videos, there's over, it's, I think at right now we're over 50 pages of a manual that walks people through all of the skills. And then there's the people that maybe they've been doing kettlebells for a little while and they're maybe thinking about going to certification. So then that would be the option two of the program. And then the final part is, while this program kept growing, I decided, well, we still have a little bit more time before we launch it. Like, why don't I run another beta group that is people that are getting ready to, to prepare to recertify or go to a cert? So this latest group is they're all prepping to recertify their skills. And what I've incorporated into that is another question that I get at the certs all the time is how do I maintain my skills that I've learned from, you know, my coach or through a certification in my kettlebells, but add body weight into it. So I've added the body weight as the focus of how do I get a new strength skill while I maintain other skills. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, once people dive into the program, that strength skill could be anything, um, for the purpose of the ebook right now, it's the one arm push up and the pull up, but it could be like, okay, let's take those away and let's put a heavy deadlift there. Or maybe my goal is a, a heavy squat. So there's things that I will be coaching. Once you get the ebook, um, there's a private Facebook group and anyone that, that purchases the ebook can go in there and upload your videos. I'll be coaching people in that group. So I'll be able to say, okay, well this looks great for you, but let's try this progression. Or what is your next goal that you want to add into this strength portion? So I'm hoping that it covers a lot of ground for a lot of people. And, um, 
will make some of those other skills easier to maintain. So they can see where like I can hang on to my snatch test or have it, you know, in reach fairly soon if I'm going to go back and recertify or, you know, you get called to assist. It's not something that you're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I have to completely start training for that again. It's like, let's just keep it pretty close by. And that's what I'm hoping that people will take out of this is it really can be a program for anyone. Um, it just depends on what your goal is. Yeah. Especially for the people that are a little more advanced, it's always nice to have a refresher on how to program or how to just keep yourself, uh, up with the standards that strong first holds you to. Cause you know, sometimes like, when I, if you know, I got certified, so it's going to be a couple of years, but I was going to do uh, the tactical strength challenge. I'm like, Oh, I haven't been, you know, I wasn't able to do it because I'm suffering from an injury, but leading up to it in prep, like I think I just did too much volume, but to have cut it back a little bit, stuck to the principles and just had a little bit of a, a guideline, like it would have made it less daunting, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's taking the skills that you, you've trained for and you've mastered and keeping them in reach or keeping them, you're still adding them in as a practice enough that it's no longer feels like a test, right? You don't want to like every time you have to go recertify, or if you get called upon at the last minute to be like, Hey, can you assist? You don't want to be like, Oh my God, that dreaded snatch test, right? If you're (laughs) doing it, if you're doing it on a weekly or monthly basis, you're just going to maintain it and get better at it. It's Mm -hmm. not going to seem like a test any longer. It's going to just seem like another session that you just did two weeks ago or however, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to every week or every month do it with your snatch test weight. But if you're doing at least once a week, once a month, that volume with a lighter weight, you're still keeping it there and it's, it's attainable. And it's just, as you veer up to the event, be like, okay, I have four weeks, eight weeks, whatever, you can just chip away at the time with the test weight. And it doesn't seem, like you said, doesn't seem so daunting. Yeah. Karen, you seem like you're just such a pro at programming and structuring workouts. Is this just, is this a passion of yours? Like what makes you so genius at this? (laughs) Um, You know what? I don't don't know if I'm genius. I mean, I know that my students are are getting um, great results, but it is something that I love. And, um, the fact that I don't have the gym now, it's, it's what I do. It's, it's my thing. It's like, let's just program. And if I'm not probing for students at the time, then I'm programming for myself and I'm trying things out or getting other people to try them. Um, so yeah, I actually, I really do love it. And, um, it's something that I try to do all the time. And even if I, like I said, if I don't have new students, like right now I've kind of limited the number of people that I'm writing for because I'm really trying to finish up this ebook and get it out. Um, but once that's done, then I'm going to dive into what I'm trying to program for these athletes, the, the cheer athletes with the cheer coach. And then, um, I'll probably in January, I'll take on some new, new students, but I always limit how many I have at a time because I want to be able to give them the most and really focus on their programs and make sure that they're getting the results that, you know, they're reaching their goals. So that's, that's just kind of where it's at. Yeah. You're doing so much of programming for so many people. What does it feel like to program for yourself? Cause I, at times am like, I, I don't even want to program for myself. I'm the last person that I want to program for. How do you keep yourself going? Um, you know what? I, I don't always program for myself Okay. and I do try other people's programs from time to time, just like I have people try mine. But what I would say is because I've been doing it so long now that when I need to program, I treat myself as if I'm one of my students. Okay. What is the goal? Like every year, um, I sit down and make a list of goals. Mm -hmm. I'm just very goal oriented person. And then I prioritize them. Um, but I don't necessarily have to be on a program all the time because of the travel. It's, it's just treating things like a practice. It's just keeping them close by and putting enough out there, um, that just keeps me going and keeps my strength at a fairly high level. But when it's time for me to reach something specific, for example, I'm working on getting the one arm push up back post-surgery. So that has been my program. Okay. How am I programming that? And that's kind of, like I said, what started the ebook And then, um, I've gone through the program twice with the two beta groups and, um, on, on a good day it's there. Um, but I'm very, very picky, um, and strict on my own technique. So I'm not going to keep trying something on the ground, um, at that elevation until it's perfect. So I'm taking the regressions and I'm training myself just like I would any of my students. And so that that's taken, I think time and, and just, uh, probably age learning to just train smart and think of everything 
nowadays as risk versus reward. I don't need to kill it every day. I don't need to show and be like, look what I can do on the ground every day, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's showing that no matter where we're at in life, that we sometimes have to take a regression and be patient to progress again. And so I guess if that makes any sense, that's kind of where I'm at now is just treat myself as if I'm one of my students and program where I need to. No, it makes perfect sense. It goes in line with, you know, I think in, uh, what is it? Power to the people. I think Pavel talks about the, the man who carried the pig up the hill and the pig grew and ate in like every, you know, how that isn't re- that doesn't really happen in real life, that you can't continue to get stronger as you continue to add weight. What you have to do is you have to go back down, regress a little bit and then continue to move forward then bring yourself back down. So it's, it's appropriate programming. It's appropriate uh, recovery also. So regressions, even sometimes like you work on some of the fundamentals at a lower volume and a lower weight, you see yourself progressing. You go up to like a heavier weight, you improve on a PR that you didn't think was possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you, we have to do that. It, ha- it can't just be, you know, PR, PR, PR all the time. We have to take steps back. And I mean, there was a time, and I I like that you said that about, you know, the pig, um, or I think I've heard it with the pig, ox, whichever, right? Like when my daughter was little, like I was lifting her, right? I was doing get-ups with her. I would kind of hold her on my (laughs) shoulder and do pressing, which it happened for so long until she outgrew me, right? Like she got to a weight where I can't do that any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was fun for for that time being, you know? And, um, it was kind of like I was getting stronger. She was getting heavier until she hit, you know, just too, (laughs) too heavy a percentage of my max. But yeah, we, we have to regress to progress. And I think now so many people get in that mindset of like, I just have to just keep going all the time, but that's what puts us in an injury state. And then I'm telling you, it's not fun to, um, have to recover from an injury. Most of mine aren't from training, but either way, you know, you have, get in a car accident or hurt yourself and have to have to recover. That's just not something that's fun. So I like to just still tell myself like risk versus reward, like how bad do I need this? And what's the smartest way to kind of keep going without setting myself back? Absolutely. So something I want to touch on Karen that you kind of talked about a couple of times was I remember going to SFG level one and I mean, I was sipping the Kool-Aid too. I mean, I got hooked <laughs> instantly and the same thing happened with you. And I believe you said you, you create some of that camaraderie, that community with, uh, your clients online. How do you go about doing that? How do you create that, uh, that family feeling in the virtual uh, world? You know what? I think that that's a good question. Um, I would say that a lot of the virtual world are probably people that have known, you know, have met me somewhere. Um, I would say that I hear more often than not, like, you know, we obviously have people fill out evaluations at Mm -hmm. the events. And um, I think that a big part is just being genuine and really caring about the people that come through. And I think that shows through, right? It's not there to be like, look what I can do or about me teaching it's about what we can all share together in an event. And I am one of the first ones at the event. Like if I'm teaching programming, I'm asking other people because so many people there are coaches and they might have ideas that are going to help a student just as much as, if not more than what I'm teaching. So it's not all about, you know, me being up in front and, and teaching this. It's about sharing that we're all here to better each other and, and I think just showing the passion. Like I think people get that I just am really passionate about helping people and being authentic. And mm-hmm. it's like, here, here's who I am. I'm not afraid to expose my weaknesses and, and just share that this is my life. And I, that's the only thing I can think. I mean, maybe if you ask someone else, <laughs> they could tell you something different about why I, I have, you know, grown a, a, a decent following on social media. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to do it in a way that's something that if my daughter, as she gets older, wants to look at anything that I'm doing, that it's something that I'll, I can be proud of and not trying to grow a following by being flashy or anything inappropriate. Cause we all know there's so much of that going on Tons out there and that's that. no judgment. 
for anyone else. It's just, I have to think about the fact that I have a teenage daughter and what do I want her to see? And what am I, what, what can I be proud of putting out there? Karen, that is a true mark of a great leader. Thank you for that answer. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Just a couple things before we wrap up. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Um, You know what? It's probably like what I just shared. If I, if I look at everything that's out there and know that, that it's something I can be proud of, that I helped someone, whether it be with their mindset, whether it be with their, their confidence, their strength, um, but something that's authentic and, and that they know, like if they stop me on the street or if they see me somewhere that I'm going to be that same person, right? In person, I am, anyone can walk up to me. Like I'm super social. Like, I just want people to know that I'm real. I'm just like them. And there's nothing that they couldn't come up and I mean, to, <laughs> to a certain degree and ask me and I'm going to be there. Like I'm, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be there to help you and mentor you. And like that, I don't know, <laughs> I'm totally rambling. Cause I'm trying to think like, what is it? But, but that's what it is. It's just something that I can be proud of and, and respect myself in the process of what I put out there and, and how my daughter will look at it down the road. I get a huge sense of authenticity from you because when I reached out to you, I be quite honest, I'm like, there's no way she's going to get back to me. I mean, not a chance. And you (laughs) you reached back to me that same day. I was just, I was blown away. And I can see from your posts on social media that you are very passionate for what you do and for helping others. And I mean, I think it's going to shine through and you're going to, you're going to impact this world in such a great way. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Yeah, no problem. Besides the ebook, what else are you working on personally, maybe with your strength, um, parenting, anything? Oh gosh. Um, you know what? Most of it is work right now. And, and that's sad. There are, um, once I'm done with this ebook, because I want to be able to help more people. Um, my goal is, is to slow down just a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> because I have, um, I've had people ask me like, so what do you like to do for fun? And it was almost like stumped me for a minute. I'm like, wow, I'm not doing anything. That's just for me for fun right now. It's all been about my daughter and about work and helping others. So I, my goal for the next year is obviously keep coaching. I'm never going to give that up. Um, keep programming and those things, but I want to find, like a new hobby. I don't know what that is yet, but I need some me time. I need to know that I'm doing something that is for fun and building, um, personal relationships as well, because I'm so like, I've been in Dallas. This is really sad to say. Um, I've been in Dallas since June of 2014 Mm -hmm. and it still feels like I just moved here. Like I really don't know that many people here. I know the people, like a few people that I've coached, and I know a few people that, um, like the parents of my daughter, daughter's friends, but on the big scale of things, I am, um, I need some, I need some friends here. <laughs> <laughs> so I need, I need some, some personal life, right? So I'm not going to stop what I'm doing, but I am going to show myself some grace and give myself some me time, um, leading into the next year. That that's my goal. It's- I just think it's a must. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult for traveling as much as you do. It's difficult to get out and mingle with the people that are in your neighborhood. Karen, do you have any final thoughts, any, uh, thing you would like the listeners to take home? Um, I would say focus on a positive mindset. Definitely. Um, try to read, try to come to, to one of these body weight and kettlebell courses, get out there because it can be life-changing. Um, even though that sounds crazy to a lot of people, it's, it's not that I'm trying to pe- get people to come in and, and feel like we're a cult. Cause I know people joke about that. They're like, Oh, you drank the Kool-Aid. It's a cult. It's not a cult. It's a family. It is a strength family, like-minded people. It's that brotherhood sisterhood where w- I know that I can travel anywhere in the world and reach out to someone just like you reached out to me, right? Like you, you had hoped that I would answer and I did, but I want people to know that we really do. Like it's, you know, you're in my town, look me up, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to coach or, or meet up to mentor. Like that, that's the thing is I just want people to realize like there's so much, um, that we all have to offer in the organization that, uh, we can share with other people and, and build these, uh, this strength family, fitness family, whatever you want to call it. 
no, it's an incredible strength family. And uh, I'm just, I'm so thankful that I've been able to connect with you. Where can people find you, Karen? If we want to reach out, see some of your stuff. Um, the best place is through my website. So it's just coachkarensmith.com. From there, there's a form that you can fill out if you want to email me. There's all the tabs for any bit of social media. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> everything will be ready for Black Friday. Um, there'll be a tab to shop and get the ebook too. So everything all in one place, um, easy to find and happy to help if anyone wants to reach out. Fantastic. All right, Karen, this has been such a pleasure for me. It's been such an honor to, to talk with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope everybody can go check out the ebook and go and attend a Strong First Bodyweight Certification. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm honored that uh, you asked me to be here. No, thank you, Karen. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, take Have care. a good day. To hear more from some of the best that the industry has to offer, please hit the subscribe button and stay tuned for the next episode of The Principles of Fitness.